Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Amen. Thank you, Father. We just come before you giving you all glory, all honor, all praise. And we thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for hope and comfort. Lord, peace, everything that you have to offer for life itself, the only true life, the living word, Jesus Christ himself, Lord. And we thank you and we give you praise. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we started a new series on prophetic words, and we're continuing that series this morning. This, this word is going to focus on the testing of prophetic words. Uh, and I wanted to start out by asking you a question this morning. If any one of you in your lifetime has ever had someone tell you a lie, has that ever happened? Anybody? A couple of you? Okay. <laughs> and then a, a follow-up question that's just really crazy. Um, by chance, have you ever told a lie? <laughs> yeah. And if you're not raising your hand, you're telling one right now. <laughs> so you've got one. Just because someone says, God told me this, doesn't mean that God told them that. There's people, and, and you know, depending on the version of the Bible that you have, uh, it'll use the words when a prophet was speaking, thus says the Lord, or thus saith the Lord. But just because someone says, thus saith the Lord, it doesn't mean the Lord saith. Um, and we're going to talk this morning about how we need to test prophetic words. One of the best ways to test a prophetic word and to know whether it comes from God is if you read this, if you know this, uh, because God will never say anything that contradicts his written word. But if you don't know what this says, uh, you might hear some words and believe it and just think, well, maybe that's in there somewhere. You have to know the word of God for yourself. And when we know that, you don't, the, Jesus said that he sent the Holy Spirit to reveal all truth. And the Holy Spirit can reveal truth to us and, and bring uh, something up in our spirit when we hear something that's not truth to know something's wrong with that word. But if you know this word and if it's contradicting this word, you don't need the Holy Spirit to speak. You just need to know the word. So those are, are two ways, but there's no shortcut to knowing the truth. You either have to read it. Technology today allows us to listen to it. Uh, I listen to a, an app called the Daily, uh, DailyBibleAudio.com, um, and you can listen to it. There's lots of ways you can do that if you want to listen to the Word, uh, but you also need to read it and study it and know it, and there's no shortcut, and no one else can do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. When you hear a prophetic word, whether it's someone saying that it's for a group of people like a church or a city or a nation, uh, or someone's talking to you and offering you a prophetic word and just saying, I feel like God told me to tell you this, test it, test it, pray about it, see if it lines up with scripture, see what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and whether uh, he's confirming it or saying, I didn't say that. Never just assume because someone says that God said it, that it's true. 
I also just want to point out that if you know and hear God and have a relationship with him, and the more that you hear his voice, the more you're going to know when something doesn't line up with what he would say. How many of you, whether it be uh, the close relationship that you have with your spouse or uh, maybe you have a really close friend, uh, that you know if someone came and said, they said this or they told me to tell you this, and you know there is no way they would have said that because you know them. You know, people try to start rumors or, you know, oh, you know, so-and-so said this about you. And if you know them well enough, you'll know, no, they didn't. Or maybe just the opposite is true. Say, yeah, I bet they did. I know, I know how they are. And I know what they would say. I, I, I believe you, you know, because I know them. And if you have that kind of relationship and conversations, regular conversations in prayer with God, you are much more likely to know his voice and know when something is being said that doesn't line up with his word or something that he would say. The word prophecy means to speak by inspiration, to speak under the influence of God's spirit and the prediction of future events. Uh, But just because someone says they're giving a prophetic word doesn't mean it comes from him. I was telling Pastor Darrell this morning, and the the example that we're going to read later, and definitely many other words, prophetic words that are in the Bible. uh, The Bible outlines many, many prophetic words, both true and false. And it points out a lot of them that were false. It says this prophet was saying this, or these 400 prophets were saying this, or this guy said that, but it was not from the Lord. So the Bible uh, clearly says people you know, often would give a word that was not from the Lord. And what I was sharing with Pastor Darrell this morning is it doesn't even mean that the prophet knows they're lying. Like, they may really believe what they're saying. They just don't hear the voice of God and can't make the distinction and believe what they were hearing was from God. So even if you hear someone that, you know, is emphatic and passionate and seems like they really believe it again, they might believe it. It still doesn't mean it's from God. It's our responsibility, our individual and corporate responsibility when we receive words to test it and to know if that word is true and if it's really from God. And one of the the tests that we talked about last week from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 18 is if it happens, then God said it. If it doesn't happen, it didn't come from God. In Matthew chapter 7 verses 15 through 16, Jesus Christ himself Uh, warned us to be careful of false prophets. He said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. And in Matthew 24, verse 24, again Jesus said, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. In 1 John 4, 1 through 2, the Apostle John wrote, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And in 2 Peter 2, 1, the Apostle Peter wrote, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Um, So we saw these, all four of these scriptures were from the New Testament. And one of the things that one of those passages mentioned was that not only will there be false prophets, there will be false teachers. 
And, you know, some people would say that the prophetic words ended with the apostles. Well, the apostles not only were saying, and we, we read a scripture from 1 Corinthians last week, about Paul saying not only should you desire all the spiritual gifts, most, most of all desire the gift of prophecy. So he was telling all the believers to desire this spiritual gift. Uh, and we know that it's not something that ended even after the apostles died because Jesus Christ himself was saying, you're going to have false prophetic words and prophetic words all the way up to the end. So if it was going to end, if there was going to be no prophetic words, there'd be no need to test them because anyone who says they're giving any kind of prophetic word would be a liar. Why would you test something that didn't exist anymore? So, so we know that they will exist, but when they exist, we're to test them and see if it's true. And I would say the same thing whether I'm teaching, Pastor Daryl's teaching, you're listening to any pastor, you know, online or whatever. Just because we say it doesn't mean it's true. Test it with the Word of God. If we quote a scripture, look at what happened before and what happened after. Did we preach it in context? Did we teach it in context? Or are we saying something that doesn't align with the Word of God? And if we are, then reject it. You have to be responsible for yourself for hearing and knowing the Word of God and being in a personal relationship with Him to know when He is speaking. And if He's not, then don't receive it. We're going to be looking at an account regarding prophecy and false prophecy in the Old Testament this morning. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Jeremiah chapter 27. And we're going to get there in just a moment. One thing, if you've heard me preach very much, you'll know is I'm pretty heavy on Scripture, like lots and lots of Scripture. Um, And one good thing about that is at least I know when I'm reading that, I can't be wrong. You know, at least that part is right, if nothing else. And I would encourage you to, like, the most important thing that I will ever say from this pulpit or that Pastor Darrell will say from this pulpit is when we're reading the Word of God. Our commentary is when it, you know, it gets iffy. But when we're reading a lot of Scripture like we are this morning, take comfort, at least the Scripture is right. So this morning we're going to be reading a lot of Scripture, but just stick in there and hang in with me and and hopefully you'll get, get the point I'm trying to make. The initial prophecies that God spoke to Jeremiah regarding the judgment and captivity that we're going to reference this morning, they actually start around Jeremiah chapter 19. And I would encourage you to read even the whole book of Jeremiah because it goes so far before these passages and so far after almost to the end of Jeremiah. You almost have to read the whole book to get the full context. Um, But before we get to chapter 27, I want to mention that in Jeremiah chapter 20, it starts out with Jeremiah being beaten and put in stocks by the priest. He doesn't, he's not the one that does the beating, but he has him beaten and he has him put in stocks because the word that Jeremiah was prophesying was judgment upon Israel. Well, and that wasn't a good word. They didn't like it. And so they were basically saying, shut up. Stop saying this word. Stop saying bad things are going to happen to us. And if we have to beat you and arrest you to do it, we'll do it. Stop prophesying this bad news. You know, we don't want to hear it. And so uh, I, think, <laughs> I think Jeremiah might have been the one to coin the phrase, don't kill the messenger. You know, <laughs> he's like, all I'm doing is saying what God told me to say. Like, I can't do anything other than that. And we see that also in Jeremiah chapter 20 in verses 8 and 9. This is Jeremiah complaining 
to God about the responsibility that God has given him by giving him these words. He says, Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. So Jeremiah is saying, like, when I receive it and when I uh, speak it, which is just bad news. It's like that's all the news I'm getting is bad news. But when I speak it, the people reproach me. But so then I try to hold it in because I don't want the beating anymore. And they're not listening anyway. They're not even receiving it. So why bother? So he tries to hold it in, but it wells up inside him like a fire. And he says, I can't hold it in. I have to let it come out even though it's not his personal desire to give that word. But he's faithful and continues to do it. And if you read the whole book of Jeremiah, you'll see that he's continually persecuted and continually reviled and continually mistreated because he will not refuse to continue to say the true word of the Lord. So Jeremiah would prophesy that the king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon was going to attack Jerusalem and Israel and carry off many of the Israelites into captivity. And he started prophesying this in Jeremiah chapter 21. And by Jeremiah 24, that word had come to pass. The king and many of his... uh, um, Officials had been carried away to Babylon as exiles. So, again, that one test of the word, did it come true? And the answer was yes. He prophesied it, and now they've been carried off to Babylon. So, that first part of his word has come true. And now we come to Jeremiah chapter 27, where we're going to see Jeremiah continues to proclaim the word of God just as he speaks it to him, and the opposing word of a false prophet, and how God stays true to his word, starting in Jeremiah 27, Verse 1, it says, In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord to me, Make yourself straps and yoke bars and put them on your neck. Send word to the king of Edom, the king of Moab, the king of the sons of Ammon, the king of Tyre, and the king of Sidon by the hand of the envoys who have come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah. Give them this charge for their masters. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. This is what you shall say to your masters. Before I go on, just remember at this point, the king of uh, Judah and, and his officials have already been carried off to Babylon. So that's already started. What he's saying now is God's saying all the nations are going to be subject to the king of Babylon, not just Israel. So verse 5, it is I who by, and this is God speaking or the word that he spoke to Jeremiah, it is I who by my great power and my outstretched arm have made the earth with the men and animals that are on the earth, and I give it to whomever it seems right to me. Now I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I have given him also the beasts of the fields to serve him. All the nations shall serve him and his son and his grandson until the time of his own land comes. Then many nations and great kings shall make him their slave. So God told Jeremiah to to fashion this yoke like you would put on oxen and put it on himself and wear it to symbolize the nations being subject to the king of Babylon. And he does that. Now in verse 9 it says, and this is from 
the prophet Jeremiah. So do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your fortune tellers, or your sorcerers who are saying to you, you shall not serve the king of Babylon. So God gave a word to a prophet to tell the people that the word from the other prophets was not true. So if you're the people, who do you believe? You know, okay, I got this prophet saying this thing and all these prophets saying another. There's another passage that we're not getting into this morning that there was one prophet who spoke the truth and 400 who were in agreement with a lie. And the one that was telling the truth, guess what? It comes true. The one, the 400 that were all in agreement was a lie. So once again, we can't just say, well, it looks like the majority of people are believing this guy or the majority of prophets or teachers or preachers are saying this, so that must be true. No. Only the word of the Lord is true. And we can only go to the Lord to see if that's true, to test it, to ask Him, to ask for the Holy Spirit to confirm His word. Other, other than that, other than Him revealing to us the truth, we can't know what the truth is. And so Jeremiah is telling them, don't listen to it. And like I was sharing with Pastor Joe earlier, I think these they, it says they were even dreaming these things. You know, we don't know if, they, if it was coming from the devil. We don't know if it was just their own heart's desire and they were thinking about it so much. They convinced themselves in their mind and thought about it so much they had these dreams. Whatever, wherever they came from that they thought it was from God, it was not. And it was a lie. And Jeremiah was the only one speaking up, telling them the truth. So God gave this word to Jeremiah that, to tell the people that they're telling lies, do not listen to them. And verse 10 says, For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you with the result that you will be removed far from your land, and I will drive you out and you will perish. But any nation that will bring its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will leave on its own land to work it and dwell there, declares the Lord. So what God was telling through Jeremiah, and if you read all those chapters, you'll see it a lot more. I, I, you know, this is the compressed version, uh, even with as much scripture as we're looking at. But what you'll see is God was saying, if you will just submit to this yoke that I, the Lord, am putting on you through, and God even calls this uh, pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, he says, through my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. And God says, the whole earth is mine. Every leader is mine. All the animals are mine. And I give it all to whomever I please for whatever purpose I please. And just because someone is in leadership that we don't agree with or we don't like and we don't understand it, for some reason, God put them there. It doesn't mean they're righteous. It doesn't mean they're right. It means God has a purpose and a plan. And in this case, he had a purpose and a plan. And he said, if you will submit to it. It will be good for you and you'll get to stay in your land. But any nation, including Israel, if you fight it, it's going to be worse for you. And he's going to kill you and destroy you and carry you off to Babylon. But if you receive it, you can at least stay in your land and just serve them from your, your current home. Is it good? No. It's better than being carried off or killed, though. And God says, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you want. It's going to happen anyway. This is my word, and it's going to happen. But you had all these other prophets saying, it's going to be good. It's going to be okay. Yeah, he did come, but they're going to leave soon. It's all going to be good. And their heart wanted to believe the word, 
but it wasn't from God. So now we jump to Jeremiah chapter 28, verse 1, and it says, In that same year, at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, and this is somebody new that the king of Babylon would have put in place because he took the other king to, to Babylon, and so this is one of his people basically put in place to govern what was left. And it says, In the fifth month of the fourth year, Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet from Gibeon, spoke to me, meaning uh, Jeremiah, in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying... So I just want, before we go on, I want to point out that Hananiah doesn't just come to Jeremiah. In front of everybody, in front of the king, in front of the priest, in front of all of the people, he calls uh, Jeremiah out with a word opposite to what Jeremiah has been saying. So verse 2, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Notice how Hananiah starts his proclamation. This is the word of the Lord. Guess what? It's not. Just because he says it is doesn't mean It is. And Hananiah says, Speaking for God, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took away from this place and carried to Babylon. I will also bring back to this place Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and all the exiles from Judah who went to Babylon, declares the Lord, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon." Verse 5, Then the prophet Jeremiah spoke to Hananiah the prophet in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. And the prophet Jeremiah said, Amen, which means let it be so. And he says, May the Lord do so. May the Lord make the words that you have prophesied come true and bring back to this place from Babylon the vessels of the house of the Lord and all the exiles. Yet hear now this word that I speak in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, famine, and pestilence against many countries and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, when the word of that prophet comes to pass, then it will be known that the Lord has truly sent the prophet. So Jeremiah is saying, look, guy, long before you and me showed up, there had been prophets prophesying what's happening right now. And God gave me that word, and I prophesied it, and it came true, and they got carried off. And he says, so this is happening. And the other thing that stood out to me in this, that that Jeremiah's heart, his personal preference, was, amen. I wish the words that you were speaking were true. But the only way that we're going to know if they're true, the prophet who's prophesying peace, the only way we can know if it's true is if peace comes. And all I can tell you is all the guys that came before us and me standing here now aren't hearing that word from God. So time's going to tell. He just basically says, let's wait and see what happens. So then we um, jump to verse 12, and it says, Sometime after, doesn't tell us how long, the prophet Hananiah had... Did I... Oh, no, I'm sorry. I skipped verse 10. Then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke bars from the neck of Jeremiah the prophet and broke them. So remember, God, God told Jeremiah to make that yoke. And Hananiah takes it off of uh, Jeremiah and breaks it. And he says, In the presence of all the people, thus says the Lord, Even so, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, from the neck of all the nations within two years. But the prophet Jeremiah went his way. So Jeremiah basically said, Hey, you know what happened before. We know what's happening now. If peace is going to come, you know, let's wait and see. And Hananiah basically doubles down on his word and takes that yoke and breaks it and says, no, this is the word of the Lord. You know, mark my words. In two years, this is going to happen. 
So now jump to verse 12. Uh, and it, we don't know how long after, just as sometime after the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke bars from off the neck of Jeremiah, the prophet, the, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So again, God speaks this to Jeremiah. You go tell Hananiah, thus says the Lord, you have broken wooden bars, but you have made in their place bars of iron. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put upon the neck of all the nations an iron yoke to serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and they shall serve him. For I have given to him even the beast of the field. God is saying, I said it. It's going to happen. I don't care what Hananiah the prophet says or how many yokes he breaks. You go tell him this is the word of the Lord and it's going to happen. And so Jeremiah goes and in verse 15 it says, He said to the prophet Hananiah, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you and you have made this people trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will remove you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you uttered rebellion against the Lord. And in that same year, in the seventh month, the prophet Hananiah died. So Jeremiah's prophecy regarding Hananiah comes true, and it was a word from the Lord. If it happens, God said it. And so God removes the false prophet, and and he was... um, called out because he was convincing the people to believe something that God didn't say. And so uh, then in Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're we're not going to read much of that, but God tells Jeremiah not only will the people not come home from their exile, but rather they're going to be there for 70 years. It's interesting that God hadn't given Jeremiah that time frame until after all this occurred. So he knew they were going into captivity. They'd been taken into captivity. Hananiah is saying they're going to be back in two years. And that's when Jeremiah says, man, I wish that were so, but God hadn't given him a time frame yet. In Jeremiah chapter 29, God gives the time frame. And he says, no, it's, n- nobody's coming home in two years. You're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And so in verse 8 of chapter 29, it says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. So these words confirm uh, what we've been talking about, that uh, when a prophetic word is from the Lord, it's going to come to pass. And how many of you think that that word was received with gladness from the people? Not only are you not you know, going to get done in two years, it's going to be 70 years. I'm sure he was reproached all the more and hated all the more, and, and they weren't happy with the word of the Lord. But God I don't, he doesn't really have a PR firm. He really doesn't care what we think or what our opinion is. If he says it, he's going to do it and he's going to commit to it. And so he gives this word and then, again, all that you can do is wait and see. Well, we're on the other side of history and we know that everything the prophet Jeremiah spoke came to pass. And 70 years, pretty much on the day, they get taken home. And, and everything that he said came true. But, uh, but it... But they had to wait for it. They had to walk through it. And they had to respond. And that's, that is uh, our, our burden or our response to prophetic words. All we can do is respond. We either receive it 
and believe that it's from God or we say it's not. And the word that they had was, if you will receive it, it's going to be better for you. If you fight it, it's going to be worse for you. And the same is true today. If, we, uh, if God is speaking a word and it's really coming from him and we're uh, trying to figure out how to respond to it, the best response is to agree with it and to walk with it and see how he would have you walk with him in what he's going to do. If we fight against the word of God, there's no question that we're going to have more trouble because God is going to do what he said. And if, and if it's not true, then reject it. If you know, if the Holy Spirit's putting in you that this word is not from God, then, then don't worry about it. Let it go and forget about it. But if, but if you believe it's truly from Him, then it's our job to respond in prayer and seeking Him and asking Him, what is our response to this word? I shared a prophetic word last week that we received as a church um, back in uh, March of 2019. Uh, when Candy and I went to Israel and we were in the Garden of Gethsemane, she received a word that she believed uh, was for the church. And uh, I read it, the elders read it, and we all, you know, through, it didn't contradict anything in the word, and through our own spirits, we said we believe this is from God. It, it, we, we think it's coming from Him. Don't take our word for it. Pray about it yourself. Seek Him. Ask Him. But this is, this is the word that, that we received. It said, this is a church of healing. People come here and they are healed physically, emotionally, and mentally. We as a church need to not be afraid of it, but embrace it because a flood is coming. A flood of people who are going to need Jesus. In this small little town, he says to be faithful and pray because people are going to need him. He needs the warriors of this church to be his hands and feet. And I also felt how much he loves the church and he has an overwhelming love for this church. It was hard to write down at the time, but New Covenant is the beginning of the vision of what he wants the church to be like. Continue to seek him, for he desires more with you. And most importantly, I want to re-encourage you to join us in praying. Praying uh, for the people that God is saying he's going to bring and that he is bringing. And pray about the word and how he would have you respond to this word. I also shared last week uh, from Matthew the word that says the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers out. How does he send laborers out? He speaks to us. And maybe you've been hearing a word from the Lord speaking to you about what you are to do in the community or to do in your workplace or to do in your family or to do somewhere in a ministry in the church, but it's not the word you want to hear. But you know it's from him. Respond. Walk with Him in that Word, whatever it may be. And if you're not hearing, then pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers. Pray that He's going to bring these people and that the only one that who can heal them is Him. And pray that when they come, they're going to find comfort. They're going to find peace. They're going to find healing. But only healing that He can provide. And after I shared this Word last Sunday, one of our members, uh, I met with them later in the week and they, they shared this word with me and I asked them to send it to me in writing and I want to share this with you. They, this is what they heard when I was sharing this word last week. It says, Surely a flood of salvation, the living waters of the Spirit flowing through New Covenant, a flood of living water described in John seven thirty seven through 38, which th- that passage says, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And this morning, uh, as I was praying before even the first service, I was just reminded of an old hymn. And some of you may have heard it before. It's, I've got a river of life flowing within me. And I looked up the words, and not only would I say they line up with uh, Scripture, they line up with what the, the word that Candy had shared. It says, I've got a river of life flowing within me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors and sets the captives free. I've got a river of life flowing within me. Spring up, O oh well, within my spirit. Rise up and tell so all can hear it. Spring up, O oh well, so I can experience that life abundantly. I've got a river of life flowing within me. It started gushing up when God set me free. That I keep the flow is my only plea. I've got a river of life springing within me. And once I call His name, there's a flow within. It turns me from my day, makes Him Lord again. As my spirit burns, Satan cannot win. Calling, oh Lord Jesus, keep the flow within The Word tells us that Jesus Christ is the living water. And He said, uh, just like that, the John 7, 37 through 38, that that the person had shared said, uh, out of His heart, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ, out of His heart will flow rivers of living water. That's where the flood is going to come from, from Jesus Christ within us, and will draw people, and He will heal them physically, emotionally, and mentally, and spiritually. And this song just reiterates what we believe that God said he's going to do in this church in Lampasas. Like the word said, in this small little town, he is going to set people free. He's going to do all the work. And what he called us to do is pray, pray, seek him. And they also shared that they heard that the flood would take the old away, not to worry about the junk, bringing in new, seeing beauty in renewal, cleaning and cleansing, support to be given to needed areas, and living other-centered rather than self-centered, and the spiritually seasoned assisting newcomers. Basically just walking together in relationship as we're called to as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Neither of these words contradict Scripture. And as I said, we felt these words uh, confirmed for ourselves. But like I said, you pray about them. You seek the Lord. You pray with us and join us in praying for the community and for the lost and what God is going to be doing and that He will heal, that He will set the captives free because He's the only one who can. And I believe the flood is coming, a flood of people and a flood of living water. And I believe the waters are already rising. And I believe God's going to start healing people physically, emotionally, and mentally. And I believe he's spoken these words and that only he can do it. And because he is saying it, I believe he's going to do it. And so I don't think there's a reason for us to wait in starting to pray for it and ask for it. So this morning uh, as we close, I'm going to be praying. He, only he can heal. Only He can set us free. Only He can set a soul free from bondage. Only Jesus Christ, through His death and resurrection, can set us free from sin and bring us into life. Only He can heal us physically. Only He can heal emotional and physical wounds. And He said He's going to do it, so we're going to start asking Him for it. So you bow your heads with me. And if you have any emotional, physical, spiritual need that you need the touch of Jesus Christ on your life this morning, I want you to raise your hand. And I'll tell you right now, even though heads may be bowed, my hand's up. I need 
healing. I need spiritual healing. I need physical healing. We're never done. We're always works in progress. And God uh, continues to heal us as we come to him. And we're believing this morning for healing. And Father, we come before you right now. And I thank you for the prophetic words. I thank you that it's a gift of the Holy Spirit uh, and a gift from the fruits of the Spirit, Lord. And I just pray this morning that you will confirm your word in the hearts of those who hear it. Father, I pray that their ears will be open to hear your voice themselves that they will hear you, that they will know your voice, that they will know when a word spoken is not from you, that as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit would confirm and reveal all truth to us in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray that every lie that the enemy is telling will be brought down. Father, I pray that any thought of you, any belief of you that is false, Lord, that you would tear those things down, those thoughts down in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, that we would have a purer, clearer picture of who you really are. And Father, this morning, we, uh, we believe this is a word from you that you have said you are going to heal, that you are going to heal physical uh, illnesses, that you are going to heal spiritual illnesses, that you are going to heal emotional issues. Father, and this morning, we ask for you to do it. Do what you said you would do in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask this in your name. Amen. I, I know when uh, pastors start talking about prophecy and things, it, it could get kind of scary because you don't know what's going to happen. It's the unknown. Chris has not challenged you to go to Walmart this afternoon and prophesy over people in the parking lot. He asked you to go home and pray about what is God saying? What does he want you to do? Okay. What is his word? We haven't asked you to do anything that you aren't already doing as a follower of Jesus. Read the Bible and talk to God. That's all there is to it. It's just that easy. All right? Amen. That'll be good. A few words before you go, if you don't mind. This is the end. Today is the end of the baby bottle drive for the New Beginnings of Restoration and Hope Resource Center. If you didn't bring your bottle back today, try to get that to us this week. Drop it off at their office. Drop it off here at the church. Or last chance, bring it next Sunday. That's it. That's the last day. Okay? Thank you for supporting them. Common Grounds is still closed through August 6th. Boo. Better news. Sunday fun day tonight. There you go. Sixth grade through twelfth grade game night tonight. It starts at four o'clock, goes till six thirty at NCC West. Bring a friend and your competitive spirit. Okay? Get ready to play. We also have an opportunity. If you have been feeling like you want to volunteer or get more involved, here's a good one. We need somebody to be a co driver for our Wednesday night spark van ministry. If you have a valid driver's license and you can count to 15 while keeping your shoes on, you are qualified for this job. All right. Greg Henderson will drive the van. He'll pay attention to the road. You're his co-driver. You pay attention to the kids. It's just that easy. Okay. It's just Wednesday nights and um, it's something that we really need. That is a great ministry for the for the uh, uh, community that we share. If you want to volunteer for that, talk to Candy Valdez. And if you want to volunteer in any other way for Spark on Wednesday nights, meet here on Wednesday, August the 4th at 6.30. Is that right? 6.30? Yep. Or in the West Building as well. All the children's stuff is over there. Isn't that great? All right. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you that you are speaking. You are always talking. 
Lord, I ask through your Holy Spirit that you help us to hear you clearly, concisely, and, and you share with us what we need to hear. Father God, thank you that you're encouraging, you love us, and you want the best for us. Holy Spirit, speak to every household here this week. Speak to individuals. And thank you, Father God, that you're speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 